Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And good morning, everyone. This is uh, Pat Harridan sitting in, as you heard, for Mike McNamara, who's on a well-deserved day off uh, this morning. So we're in hour two. First hour, you heard from Dr. Sanjay Prasad. We talked about second surgical opinions and surgical quality and uh, good stats um, and good facts from doctors. So thank you, um, doctor. Second half uh, of the hour, we actually have an in-person guest. I think it's the first in-person guest since COVID for, for me anyway. Um, but our guest is uh, Ted O'Connor, who is a Medicare expert. Good morning, Ted. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, um, so we'll be talking a little bit more. We, we try and do this maybe twice a year. Uh, we talk a little bit about Medicare um, because it is so important and so confusing. And we're in a uh, time period now where um, you know, the open enrollment period is over. Um, but again, I like to educate people on what Medicare is, what it isn't. And especially for those people who are not yet on Medicare, just to get an understanding of what Medicare is. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, Medicare. So hopefully we can help in the next uh I don't know, 52 minutes or so. Um, so, Ted, uh, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners, your history, and why why Medicare? Why are you focusing on Medicare, Ted? I think that would be helpful as we go through the questions. Sure. Thank you. Um, I've been in the Medicare space for 12 years now. I first worked for a, a company that was more of a national Medicare exchange company and then worked for an employee benefit firm here in Massachusetts. And I just uh, started my own company called uh, Tedicare. Get that? Medicare, Medicare. I like that. <laughs> and I'm local. I have an office here in Situate Harbor, and I live down in Coasset. But uh, I love Medicare. Um, as I tell uh, with clients, it's the it's the last health insurance somebody will have. So it's very important. It's very confusing. A lot of parts, lots of letters, lots of election periods. Um, so I provide Medicare education. What are the road paths to Medicare? What are the plans? What are the rates? And um, I do not charge a fee for services. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, I represent so many Medicare insurance companies that I'm not just showing one company. I show the, what is in the landscape. People pick and choose their plans. And then I become what I call their Medicare coach, where I don't just enroll people. I stay with them for the, for the remainder. And that's very important during the Medicare annual open enrollment period, yeah. which is every fall. 
Got it. So in our world, so when I'm on, I talk about employee benefits and fewer and fewer private sector employers offer um, retiree, much less Medicare benefits. And retirees, you know, are anyone that has retired. And those could be 55-year-olds not yet eligible for Medicare. But uh, in the public sector, uh, cities, towns, states, you know, that they have a lot of... Um, they still offer retiree medical plans as part of the employer plan. So we we sometimes would have someone like Ted come in and educate people on uh, the employer piece of the plan or the group plan. Um, that's uh, one aspect of it. But for the most part, most people that retire and reach age 65, and we'll talk about, you can get Medicare another way too, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but if you reach 65, you're, you're Medicare eligible, assuming that you're um You've, uh, you're not working for a plan or, or covered by your spouse plan. And that is where uh, a lot of education is needed. And what I always say is the education's needed probably five years prior to, um, to that date, just so you know what you're getting into. And obviously there's been changes over the years, but people need to plan just like they need to plan for retirement with your 401k or IRA or, or with your McNamara um, advisor, you definitely want to um, understand Medicare. Um, so let's start at the beginning, Ted. So we, let's start with the facts. Medicare is not Social Security. Correct. <laughs> it's separate, funded similarly through payroll tax, but different. So the Medicare eligibility rules and all the stuff about, you know, age 62 and all that, that's uh, the Social Security. That's different. Mm -hmm. When we talk Medicare, what are the, just give a high level and then we'll drill down on the, on the 65 part, but just what are the two ways someone can uh, be eligible for Medicare currently? So when somebody turns age 65, uh, somebody is eligible for Medicare. Um, and also when somebody is awarded, as I call it, Social Security Disability, somebody gets four, uh, two, uh, excuse me, uh, two years of payments after 48 months, they get, they're eligible for Medicare too. So I work with people who might be 32 right. who are Medicare eligible as well. Right. And just remember, here's where everything starts to be different, at least currently. Obviously, every year when we talk about Medicare, there are change, you know, people propose changes to the program. Um, but Medicare is for the non-disabled people who have paid into the system. We'll talk about um, their age 65, regardless of your retirement age under Social Security. Most people born after 1950 have a different retirement age than 65. It could be 66, 67, 67 and a half. It keeps going up, but social, but Medicare is still age uh, 65. Um, so the most people out there, although there's probably still a few, Ted, as we've talked, are eligible for Medicare. How do you sort of become eligible for Medicare um, in general? So again, turning age 65, and um, original Medicare is part A and part B. Part A is your inpatient hospital coverage, and part B is your outpatient services, your medical services. Um, when somebody is working, you do have a Medicare tax that comes out of your paycheck. The next time you look at your, uh, your <laughs> statement, you'll see a Medicare tax, and you pay that while you're working. And as long as when somebody turns 65 or whenever you sign up for Part A, you don't have to sign up for Medicare uh, at 65 if you're still an active employee on a group health plan or the spouse of. But when you do sign up for Medicare Part A, as long as you worked 10 years of your life, time and paid taxes, Medicare taxes, there is no premium to Part A, and I see that for the most part. Uh, for those that do not pay a tax, the, if you have under 30 quarters, you pay $500 a month for Part A. Right, uh, so you, you can, so your eligibility for Medicare is twofold. One, it's either being Social Security disabled or age 65, and uh, you're eligible for quote unquote free part A. Correct. It's not free, but you're no premium part A if you've, it's basically what we say in Medicare, it's 10 years, four quarters. 40 quarters. So you get 40, so 10 times four is 40. Um, but you can still buy into the Medicare obviously with, as you said, premium. All right, so let's say, okay, so someone is Medicare eligible. So taking a step back before we get into all the parts, if I am, let's say I'm in my mid fifties and I'm working, you've said, hey, we're paying that, it's 0.145%, um, so we're paying 0.0145, so we're paying 1.45% of our income, and there's no limit on that, there's a limit on the, on the um, 
um, Social Security piece, but not on the Medicare piece. And some people at higher incomes pay an additional 0.9% uh, of their income. But you're funding it. Let's say you want to work. You, your plan, your retirement plan is, I want to work at my employer until I'm age 70. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for someone? Because they're going to get a blizzard of mail when they're approaching their 65th birthday because Medicare doesn't know that you're working. Correct, and I have uh, a mailman on my presentations mm. when I do them. Um, so in the, uh, again, in the eyes of Medicare, if you're an active employee on a group health plan or the spouse of, that is credible coverage. So if somebody turns 65 and you're still working, you don't need to do anything with Medicare. Again, it's down the road when somebody does retire at say 68 or 70, you have to, and I help people with this, you have to prove uh, that you're an active employee in a group health plan. So you can sign up down the road. Uh, the social security um, element with Medicare is if somebody starts, when somebody's turning 65, again, you don't have to sign up for Medicare if you're still tied to an employer. If somebody starts to collect social security early, Let's see, you started 62. Mm -hmm. When somebody's turning 65, somebody is signed up automatically for both Part A and Part B. Uh, when you, again, that's just the triggers if you're collecting Social Security. And in that case, if somebody's still working, again, you're an active employee on a group health plan or the spouse of, what I typically tell people in that situation is you have to keep Part A. If you are collecting Social Security, you have to keep Part A, which is the inpatient hospital coverage, and you can defer Part B. Part B is medical outpatient services, and there's a premium to Part B. Mm -hmm. It's based on your income. Um, $170.10 a month is the standard premium. So again, if somebody's still working, you don't. You can keep Part A, you can defer Part B and sign up down the road. And again, you have to prove that you had credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare. Right, so most people, because again, our employers, so when our, you know we work, our, our clients are employers, we work for employers, you know, my firm locked in, we, we, our employee, our clients are employees, not our employers, not employees. So uh, we get a lot of, um, sometimes HR gets flooded with these, hey, I got a letter from Medicare saying if I don't enroll, I'm going to pay a penalty for the rest of my life. <laughs> yes. And it's very scary. Um, so obviously, you know, in, in the situation where they're still employees and they're talking to HR, um, and again, we've got, we can talk about, we've got various scenarios of, as you said, they can be the spouse of the employee. So if they're relatively the same age, they're both going to get notices, right? Because no one knows. Don't forget, I think I'm correct, uh, Medicare and doesn't know if you're covered by an employer plan or not. They're just triggering it on your birthday. Right? Correct. I'm guessing. Yes. There's no database that they look in to see if you're an active employee. Right. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. covered and you don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to start getting stuff in the mail. It's almost like I say, it's like AARP. When you're close to 50, you start getting a lot of stuff in the mail from AARP. Yeah, when unfortunately, you're I'm getting those now. Yeah. So. <laughs> when you're close to 65, you're going to get a lot. And, and we're talking about right now, we're just talking about from Medicare itself. We'll talk about all the other stuff you get in the mail in the fall in a minute. Um, but for those people, so in other words, so to clarify for everyone, if you're currently working, and you're age 67, covered by your group plan, or you're covered by your spouse's employer plan. You may be technical, el technically eligible for Medicare, but you don't need to um, enroll. And in fact, if you did enroll, you'd be actually paying premium for nothing because your employer plan is primary. Mm -hmm. It would pay first. So, uh, and obviously I think that's gonna continue because I think we see a lot of people working beyond age 65, Correct. just employers, right? Uh, employees. So, so from an eligibility standpoint, then, okay, let's say someone is thinking about retirement. And you mentioned, we have a lot of people who do this, they'll say, well, I want to retire at 62 because I can get Social Security. But again, you're not going to get Medicare until 65 unless disabled. Um, so you've got that gap of three years. And even COBRA is only going to get you 18 months of that continuation of coverage. So people should just understand the rules. Just because you're collecting Social Security doesn't mean you're Medicare. Medicare eligible. Um, they're separate, but they're related. And there's also a relation because the premium comes out of your Social Security check, which <laughs> again is even more confusing. So so from a planning standpoint, you definitely need to understand what your benefit, in addition to the Social Security piece of it, which is, again, a whole nother 
uh, Kurt does a great job of explaining this. That's a whole nother show and a whole nother class. You should understand what the Social Security benefits are. So let's say Medicare. Okay, now I, I'm thinking about retirement. I do not work for a state, a city, or town, or government that offers retiree medical. I am going to, um, let's say I'm 67. Um, this is where us as a consultant working for the employer, we may have seminars for a bunch of employees who are thinking about retirement because we have a lot of people, and I'm sure you see this more than I do, Ted, a lot of people just don't understand Medicare and they're nervous. They, don't, they, wanna, they wanna work because they think they need the health insurance. When in fact, the Medicare plan could be cheaper for them than the employer plan, depending on how they're covered. So what we try and do is we'd have someone like you come in and talk to all these people who are Medicare eligible, who are still working, and give them a little, hey, this is all the, you know, part A, part B, here's what it costs. Um, and then there are other people who have retired a while ago who may reach out to you and say, hey, I'm turning 65, I need help, because there's no one out there to to help these people. So the Social Security office can't help and there's no local, unless I'm mistaken, there's no local, local Medicare office, right? No. <laughs> no. Um, so that's why we turn to someone like uh, Ted and, and, and his firm. So let's get into Medicare. You mentioned already it uses a lot of uh, letters. Um, just talk about Part A. Uh, We'll go through the, the, let's go through the top four. I know there's a thousand letters, but let's go through <laughs> A, B, C, and D. Um, so part A, just do the two, two uh, paths to part A. Part A is what, and what does it cost, and what does it cover? And I wanna talk about HSA at the end, because sure. that's a confusing part. So again, part A is inpatient hospital coverage. It's yep. really simply, as I write to, write to people, it's your room, your food, your board, <laughs> any services or any medications while you're inpatient in the hospital. Uh, the biggest cost in part A uh, is the part A deductible. If somebody is, it, it's not by calendar year, it's per benefit period. Hmm. So let's say somebody just has part A and part B and they are hospitalized on April 2nd. There is a $1,556 deductible and with that deductible, somebody has what's called a 60-day benefit period. So if you're in the hospital one night, 20 nights, up to 60 nights consecutively, somebody pays fifteen fifty-six. And the most important thing to remember about that deductible, it is per benefit period. So as I detailed to clients, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, if somebody just has original Medicare and you're hospitalized in January, 60 days later, April, 60 days later, July, September, <laughs> late December, somebody could actually have five of those deductibles. Hmm. So in part A, that's kind of the biggest cost people like to get taken care of or filled with what's called the Medigap plan. Um, also in part A is skilled nursing care facility coverage. That is a secondary or a rehab hospital hmm. you'd go to after an inpatient hospitalization. It is separate from long-term care. Right. Long-term care, otherwise known as custodial care or nursing home care. Not that's covered. one item that's not covered by Medicare. This is the rehab you go to after inpatient hospitalization. Uh, mm -hmm. For instance, my dad had quadruple bypass. He's up in heaven now, but he had quadruple bypass. Had to go to rehab for four to five days before he came up. After the surgery. Correct. Yep. So, to clarify, and again, um, just for original Medicare, how many people that you deal with, Ted, just have original Medicare? I would assume very few barely end. right when right. they realize for, for those the, reasons because right. of the deductibles the costs yeah. um, and, and you know you can be exp your exposure right is, is tremendous yeah so what we're talking about when we talk about the different pro we'll, we'll get to the the solution in a minute but we're just laying it out for you so the part you get quote unquote at no 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 premium part a does have costs associated with it if you use it. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, this is only original Medicare. This is not your supplement or your Medigap, which we'll talk about in a second. So the people that have original Medicare, again, very few, but this is why very few have it. Mm -hmm. um, last thing on part A, just impatient. So, and people don't understand this, although it, it's more frequent, obviously, the older you get. Inpatient hospital means you're admitted. Mm -hmm. This is not getting care at a hospital. Like a lot of people go to the hospital and see their doctor. Yes. That's not. That's outpatient. Right. Yeah. That's not inpatient. Inpatient is you're admitted, you stay overnight. Mm -hmm. Usually it's, you know, 24 hours, although I've seen inpatient stays less than that. But typically you're admitted. You know you're admitted. You're signing. You're admitted. You have to sign yourself out and all that. Um, all right. So part A, hospital and limited skilled nursing for rehab. Also in part A is hospice care. 
oh, if yeah. you're deemed terminally ill within six months. Um, home health care, that is the short-term occupational speech or physical address that come to your house or facility, really just short-term care, and then blood provided to you while you're in the hospital. And again, when you sign up for Part A, as long as you or if you file joint taxes with your spouse or partner, as yeah. long as you work 10 years of your lifetime, 40 quarters, paid taxes, there's no premium to Part A. Right. You, because theoretically you've... You've already paid it. <laughs> you've already paid it, right. And there are other, there's there's two other spectrums that we may not get to today, but a lot of people, when we talk about premiums, some people may may pay more or less depending on their income. We're just giving like the standard okay. premium. That, that's for part B. Part B, right. We get either Which low we'll get income right or into. So. <laughs> Yeah, so talk about part B as in Bob. Part B is everything outpatient. It's your doctor fees, outpatient surgery fees, CAT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds, ambulance services. All of that falls under Part B. In Part B, somebody is responsible for uh, what's called the Part B deductible. Again, it's for anything outpatient. And I describe that, anything you get in your car and you come back and home the same day. That's outpatient. <laughs> um, and so there's that annual deductible where Part A, the inpatient deductible, the 1556, was per benefit period. This is per calendar year. So this year it's $233. So somebody has to satisfy that deductible first. And again, that will reset January 1st. It might be 245 next year. And then after that deductible is satisfied, then it's an 80-20 plan. Medicare picks up 80%. You, Somebody would be responsible for 20% coinsurance. And that's unlimited. That is unlimited. Mm-hmm. So what's, that's the biggest, what I call, ticket item in Part B. Because you're paying, it's unlimited. You add up a CAT scan, an outpatient surgery, an MRI, that can get quite costly for somebody. So the 20% coinsurance is the biggest, I use that expression again, biggest ticket item, but something people like to get taken care of most, first and foremost. So, so to recap, so for Part A and B, if I just had Part A and Part B, which we call original Medicare, and this is literally, you have only your Medicare, your red, white, and blue card, you have your Medicare card, and you have A and B, you're going to pay, let's assume income meets all the limits, you're going to pay 170.10 per month, mm-hmm. potentially 233 deductible once, and then potentially 1556 four times or whatever. Yeah, you can have it five times. And then right. the 20% coinsurance. So that's why, another reason why not every, not not a lot of people have just part A and B. Correct. However, in order to get some of the other plans that we're going to talk about, you're going to need both to get into part C. Yes, you and need part, uh, when somebody has part A and part B in place, um, as I call it, there are two road paths available to somebody in Medicare. Road path number one is where somebody gets what's called a Medigap plan, otherwise known as a Medicare supplement plan. It's with a private insurance company. And what these plans do is they fill the holes in Medicare. They pay the coinsurances and deductibles in part A and in part B. So somebody would not be responsible for those costs. And then with that, this is the road path number one, as I call it. With that, you have to get a separate part D prescription drug plan. So you have your Medicare card, your red, white, and blue card. You can tuck it in your wallet or pocketbook. And then you have the Medigap card for doctors and hospitals and uh, a separate Part D prescription drug plan. So um, that's part, that's pathway one to this. We'll talk about um, pathway two in a minute. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned um, Part D. Um, just quickly, Part D is um, you can buy a separate Part D plan or combined plan. Is that correct? So someone theoretically, again, no one probably, I don't, there's probably very few people that have this. You can buy A, B, and D. You correct. Could. Yes. And that you would be exposed to the, ex- All the, the gaps, the gaps in the original Medicare, but you can, I've run into people who just have a part two drug plan as well. Right. Because they take drugs and they're otherwise healthy. Got it. All right. So after the break, we'll talk about the majority of what you do, which is help people find a plan that covers all the gaps, fills in the all the holes or donut holes or whatever, whatever we're talking about. So we'll talk about that with uh, Ted O'Connor after the break. 
This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we are back. Good morning. Uh, for the final segment, this is uh, Pat Harridan from uh, Lockton Benefits. Uh, just talking with uh, Ted O'Connor. Uh, we're talking about Medicare. We just went over um, quickly A parts A, B, and D, and now we'll get into C. We skipped over C, but we'll talk about C. Um, Ted is a um, sort of Medicare broker, works with individuals on Medicare. Uh, and Ted, just let people know how to uh, how to get in touch with you in case we run out of time at the end. Sure. And again, I just started my own Medicare practice company. It's called Tedicare. Um, I'm centered down in Situate Harbor. I have an office down there. And uh, uh, my website is uh, up and coming, but right now for the meantime, mm-hmm. you can reach me at ted at tedicaremedicare.com. Uh, and my phone number is 781-879-8434. So Ted at Tedicare, Medicare. I like that. I like that. Um, and also, if you ever wanted to visit them, it's a good uh, good spot to be in uh, Situate Harbor. Um, so, so, Ted, we were talking about, you know, most people don't have just original Medicare, which is A, B, and D, which is rel- relatively new. Um, so when you sit down with someone who's either... Well, let's talk. Let's go back a step. The two biggest things for people to understand is we have a an annual enrollment period for Medicare and a special open enrollment period. Just explain to the listeners what what they are, and because I think people are nervous that you know if they turn sixty five in April, they have to wait until the fall to enroll. So explain how that sort of works from an open enrollment standpoint. So there's a lot of election periods in Medicare. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, the fall, uh, when you see the, the Joe Namath ads and the Jimmy Walker, as I call it, uh, you get inundated <laughs> with, with mail. Uh, Hi, that, friends. Joe Namath here. <laughs> Do you think Joe Namath has that plan? No way. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's dynamite. You'll get money. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, those ads drive me crazy because my clients call. and uh, it's, mm-hmm. So that's part C. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Yep. Uh, so the, the fall is the Medicare annual open enrollment period. It's called AEP. And what that really, it's October 15th through December 7th. What that really means is the period of time where people already have Medicare plans, Mm -hmm. they're already enrolled, it's a period of time when you can change your plan every year. Okay. And that's during an eight-week period. And typically, it's my my kooky time of year. Um, As a uh, Medicare coach, as I mentioned in the beginning, when somebody enrolls in plans with me, I stay with them. And every fall, I stress to my clients, let's do a review in the fall. Uh, And it's really for Part D drug plans or if you had a Medicare Advantage plan. That's really a period of time when you can change. Medigap plans, people don't really know this, but you can change them at any time Mm -hmm. uh, during the course of the year. But it's really for the Part D. So, like, for instance, I... um, just signed up somebody the other day uh, for a Part D drug plan, and we'll get to Part D a little bit more in, uh, in depth. And uh, it's based on their three medications they're taking today and mm-hmm. their choice of pharmacy. There's 21 Part D drug plans in Massachusetts this year. Somebody cannot just randomly pick a plan. You have to do your homework or have somebody right. do your homework for you. So if I, as I said to the gentleman the other day, I enrolled them for April 1st. Let's do a, um, a review in the fall because your medications can change. The plans can change. Uh, the formularies of the plans can change. What they cover, what they don't cover. The pharmacy relationships change. So I stress the clients to do a review. So that's, that's the fall. Uh, when somebody is turning 65, you're entering what's called your initial enrollment period in Medicare. Mm-hmm. It's called IEP. It's a seven-month window surrounding your 65th birthday. So let's say somebody's turning 65 in April. So three months prior, you can start signing up for Medicare the three months, January, February, March. And if you sign up there, you can do it automatically online, mm-hmm. guarantees, you know, as long as you're 2065. Yep. And somebody's effective dates would be April 1st. Gets a little tricky. So you can also sign up the month of your birthday, April, mm-hmm. and three months after. 
And it gets a little trickier when you sign up the month of your birthday or the months after the affected dates are, mm-hmm. are, doesn't go back. Everything, go, Medicare goes forward, not backwards. Yep. So that's what's called your initial enrollment period. If you do not have, so you're turning 65, let's say you retired at 63, and your spouse is not working. If you do not have uh, credible coverage in the eyes of Medicare, in other words, again, just repeat myself, you're not an active employee in a group health plan or the spouse of, that seven-month window is a period of time when somebody has to sign up for Medicare. If you miss that window, then there's a lot of penalties, gaps of coverage, but... um, uh, you know, again, that is applicable if you don't have employee coverage. That's the, the window you have to sign up. So that's what's called IEP. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, this is about 87 special election periods in Medicare. But the, the biggest one I run into, uh, you know, I, I, my previous company was Employee Benefit Firm. I, I work with a lot of HR directors now. So mm-hmm. work with people a lot of time retiring at 70, 75. Yep. Um, and so when somebody does retire, that generates what's called a special enrollment period. It's called LEC, losing or leaving employer coverage. That's the biggest election period that I see. And that gives somebody a window where you can sign up a 63-day window after your employment ends that you can sign up for plans as well. So that's the biggest kind of special election period that I see. So it's IEP is initial enrollment period. AEP is annual enrollment period. And there's more. <laughs> there's there's a disenrollment period, uh, January 1st through March, thir- March 31st. That's if somebody has a Part C Medicare Advantage plan, which we're going to get into in a minute. Mm-hmm. That's a period of time when you can disenroll and move back to original Medicare uh, and get a Medigap and a Part D drug plan. Um, Got it. And, and when we talk about the... Um so the annual enrollment period, I look at that, you're right, as people who are just continuing whether they want to change. <laughs> the... Um, the individual enrollment period when they turn 65, again, just remember, if you're covered by an employer-sponsored plan or your, your spouse's employer-sponsored plan, just because you're turning 65 doesn't mean you need to enroll in Medicare. It's when you lose that employer coverage, you get that 63 days. Correct. Um, right. So let's talk about Part C, because that's what you do. Um, so let's say someone comes to you, Ted, hey, I'm, I'm, re- I'm retiring. I'm age 67, never enrolled in Medicare, but didn't collect Social Security. Um, I'm retiring in, uh, let's see, it's March. I'm retiring June 1st. Um, what is, what do you, how does that process work? What do you, what do you need from them? How does it, how do you select plans? And let's talk about, because the majority of our listeners are in Massachusetts. How does Massachusetts work? Because I'm guessing Massachusetts is different than every other state. Uh, almost. So, mm. so when somebody... Um, I try to work with people, whether you're turning, moving to Medicare at age 65 or you're retiring at age 70. Mm-hmm. I try to work with people about 90 days out. Okay. Uh, number one, that window gives us ample time to get everything aligned and have your cards ready to go for retirement. And also, I keep that window because Medicare doesn't allow you to sign up for plans outside of 90 days. So when somebody reaches out to me, I kind of get a timeline. And there's a form that's right on your desk there that yep. I email out to somebody. It's called preparing for a Medicare consultation. Uh, name, address, date of birth. Uh, do you have a Medicare card? Uh, most importantly on there is a list of somebody's medications, uh, pharmacy choices. That allows me to do my homework, as I call it. Where typically most, unless you're local in the South Shore down here, most of my work is done by phone. Mm-hmm. Where I'll set up a 45-minute consultation with somebody. I do my homework individually because I'm licensed in all of New England, several states as well. So every state's a little bit different. And then I'll email documents to somebody prior to the call. That way they're looking at what I'm looking at and it's just like we're in person. So I walk somebody through yeah. Medicare, the road pass, the plans, the rates. Uh, on your question on Massachusetts, um, uh, it's in 47 states, there, the Medigap plans, otherwise known as Medicare supplement plans, there are variations of the plans and they're labeled by letters. Uh, right, typically the highest plan in 47 states was called Plan F, F as in Frank. That particular plan filled every gap in original Medicare A and B. So you pay a, pri- a premium to the private insurance company, but then in the back end, you don't have to pay anything out of your pocket. Uh, that plan went by the wayside, as I call it, uh, in the beginning of 2020. So the highest plan of coverage is called Plan G in New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. Um, and in Massachusetts, where it's a little bit different, we are one of three states that we have different names. Well, for whatever reason. So in uh, uh, Maine, it's called Plan F. Massachusetts is called the Supplement 1. So again, Plan G, which is the highest plan of coverage now for somebody turning 65, uh, it's called the 1A in Massachusetts. 1A. And uh, also, uh, 
I'm kind of privileged to be working in Medicare in Massachusetts. Uh, Massachusetts is one of three guaranteed issue states. So, in other words, um, if somebody um, has, like if, if you were in um, New Hampshire, for instance, you have to go through underwriting. If you're beyond age 65 and you want to sign up for a plan or, or change companies, you have to go through underwriting. You have to be approved huh. by the insurance companies. Massachusetts, because it's a guaranteed issue state, if somebody has stage four of, of whatever, uh, you can still get a Medicap with no underwriting. So it's a privilege compared to other states. I have brokers all over the country I'm friendly with in Medicare and they always kind of joke, hey, you live in Mass. That's so much easier because you're not, you're not having people decline. Something, some things are easier. Yes, yes. Not, not, but not Medicare-wise, it's, uh, it's a privilege to work and, here. So. And so when we talk about what's available in Mass, so you, you have people fill out um, which I think is great because, you know, people should do this on the employer side, too, if there's a choice. Um, but right. So obviously, and, and I'm guessing that the, the pharmacy piece is probably the biggest piece because for the most part, although there are plans that don't, for the most part, the provider networks, unless you're in a HMO or a limited type plan are anyone that accepts Medicare, right? The hospitals. Oh, the on, on Medigap? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, uh, I would say at least my clientele, about 90, since I got in the business, about 95% of my clientele goes in the direction of Medigap and Part D. Right. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, a Medigap plan, otherwise known as a Medicare supplement, it's a portable plan. It's not an HMO, it's not a PPO, it's not a managed plan. Right. You can go anywhere in the country. So, for instance, I have a lot of clients who are snowbirds who smartly winter down in Florida. And <laughs> if somebody has a, a Harvard Pilgrim Medigap plan and situate, it works them just as well in Boca Raton, Bangor, Maine, California. So the portability factor is what people really appreciate. So that's one of the reasons why I see my clients kind of migrate towards Medigap plans. And the other reason is Medigap plans is are the options of Medicare that give you the most amount of coverage. So right. that's a, obviously a key factor there. And in, in, in Massachusetts, um, what are, you know, people always think, oh, Ma Medicare, but the names of the companies that operate here are sort of well-known names locally and nationally, right? It's not like we may have a few plans that no one's ever heard of, but the names we're talking about for these Part C plans, Medigap or Supplement, um, like what are some of the names of the plans? Uh, so the companies, you mean? Yeah. Oh, so okay. uh, yeah, Harvard Pilgrim, uh, United Healthcare, otherwise known as AARP, uh, Health New England's a very strong company out in Western Mass. Hmm. Uh, Humana is local. Fallon. Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Harvard and Tufts merged last year. It's now called 32 Point Health is their mm -hmm. kind of name, but they're partners as well. Uh, and, and the Part D drug plans, in this zip code alone in Marshfield, there are 21 prescription drug plans available to somebody. <laughs> now, of that 21, it's not 21 companies. Um, right. WellCare, uh, for instance, has four drug plans. United Healthcare is three. SilverScript, Aetna. So a lot of choices here. Uh, there are a lot of new companies coming out, especially on the Part C, which we haven't really touched on yet, the Part C Medicare yep. Advantage world. Uh, I was at an event with uh, David Ortiz a couple weeks ago. It's a new company called yep. Eternal Health yep. in Boston. You can see the TV ads now. Uh, there's another company out in, in Western Mass that's opening up as well. So a lot more Medicare Advantage plans are popping up. In, in yeah, and, years. And, and why don't we talk about those now, uh, Ted? Just And we're talking with uh, Ted O'Connor, who's a uh, Medicare consultant here in, uh, in Situate. Um, so right, so we, we, are, we, we know about now we've got our own celebrity, David, uh, doing uh, TV ads. But we've got all these other ads about talking about you know, all these other benefits. But talk about a Medicare Advantage plan and talk about those plans as they relate to Massachusetts and what we offer here. Sure. Again, so again, just to repeat myself, there's two road paths, as I call it. Yep. We already touched on one where somebody gets a Medigap plan and you couple that with a Part D drug plan. The other road path is the uh, Jimmy Walker in the background again. Mm. It's the, uh, the Part C Medicare Advantage plans. Yep. These are the managed plans. They're the HMOs or PPOs on certain parts of the country. There's also called PFFS, which is private fee for service, and POS, which is called point of service. But mostly in mass, it's PPOs or HMOs. Mm -hmm. And these are what I call a, a replacement plan to original Medicare. So it, it takes all the benefits from A and B, mm -hmm. converts them into a Part C plan, and it adds Part D. Some plans do not have Part D, but I, I rarely see people not getting a Part D drug plan. So now you have one card as opposed to two cards on the other road path. Mm -hmm. And the, again, these are the managed plans. So when somebody chooses a Medigap plan, 
I don't have to get your, your doctors and hospitals information because as long as they accept Medicare, they'll accept Everyone. any Medicare plan. Yeah. On the Medicare Advantage, your doctors, hospitals, networks, they have to choose to participate in certain plans. I worked with somebody the other day, four different doctors, um, specialists, uh, and I couldn't find one plan that they all participated in. So that's part of the work I do is I find out what plans they participate in. And you still pay your Part B premium. Right. Okay, so that's going to come out of your Social Security check or you get billed for it if you're not collecting Social Security. And these plans, the Part C Medicare Advance plans, they have what I call the wow factor, W-O-W. A lot of them have $0 premiums. Mm -hmm. There's the wow factor. Where do I sign up? But people have to understand this. You pay for everything. Everything is a copay. Copay per doctor visit, copay per x-ray, copay per day in the hospital. And you pay these copays and coinsurances until you reach what's called the out-of-pocket spending limit on the plan, out-of-pocket max. So they're very enticing with the $0 premiums. And, you know, somebody has a great health year, you have a doctor visit or two. Yes, at the end of the year, you're certainly going to make out financially in a Medicare Advantage plan. But the other side of that equation... You have a bad health year, major surgeries, lengthy hospitalizations. You can spend more out of your pocket on a Medicare Advantage plan. Again, worst case scenario, bad health year. And in Massachusetts, um, the maximums on an HMO is $6,800, the the out-of-pocket spending limit. And the maximum on a PPO is $10,000. So again, the, the ads you see on TV... Um, in Medicare, there's very little dental or vision. Uh, there's vision for eye disease, cataracts, uh, but the Medicare Advantage plans, they try to entice people a little bit that they offer dental. They offer vision. Uh, you hear Joe name Transportation. <laughs> yeah, you hear, I was about to say, you hear Joe name and say, you can get a ride to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they all have a little bit of pieces, and, and they're expanding and quite the a bit. And the benefit that adds money uh, back to the uh, <laughs> <laughs> every single month. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you know what that is? Does Jimmy walk around Medicaid? No, yeah, he's no. no, so he's not getting that money back. That's, those ads are driving crazy. Um, so uh, I just love my trade of thought there. So uh, and Medicare Advance plans are expanding quite a bit. And um, again, I uh, zipped this zip code down here in Marshfield. There were 27 plans last year. There's 40 this year. Wow. And the ins- private insurance companies... That's their focus. They really want to get people on Medicare Advantage plans. And one of the reasons why they can do the $0 premiums is when you have Part A and Part B, the federal government has your risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when you move to a Part C uh, Medicare Advantage plan, the private insurance, the government pays the private insurance companies an enormous amount of money. It's almost $2,400 a month the private insurance companies are getting because now they're taking on the risk. Uh, So that's why it's very enticing uh, so you see a lot of them, you know, more on the market with, these days with additional benefits yep. like transportation, over the counter, and all. Yeah, they. Were. So talk about premiums for a minute. Obviously, just in general, Ted. Sure. So let's say I want to go the what I would call the traditional route, which is, you know, I'm going to get my A. I've worked long enough. I'm going to get my A with no premium. I'm going to pay my one seventy ten uh, Part B. Mm-hmm. And then I want to buy a um, a C and maybe a maybe that has drug or not. But what what are sort of like the premiums for a part a, a Medigap or a Part D plan? Just in general, I know everyone's going to be different, but mm-hmm. just to give people an idea. So you're paying the 170, you've got the exposure, but can you you can fill the gap? How much does that cost a month in general? And what about the drug piece? Because that's a big piece of people's. Yep. Expense. And I go over this on my, my seminars and webinars because everybody in you know, the very curious on what these costs. Right. So that first road path, Medigap and Part D. Again, as long as you work 10 years of your lifetime, there's no premium to Part A. Mm-hmm. It's premium free. Uh, Part B is based on your income, and there's five different income levels. And the standard premium this year is $170.10. So that's the standard premium. If you earn higher income, uh, you're going to pay a higher mm-hmm. Part B premium. I, I help people with that. So that's your first cost of Medicare, as I call it, is your Part B premium. Yep. If you're collecting Social Security at that time or whenever you start to collect, that premium comes out of your check automatically. In the meantime, somebody is they're not collecting yet. They bill you on that premium. Mm-hmm. So so, um, so typically, um, you know, again, my clientele, people get a Medigap plan. And every state's a little bit different how rates are determined. Massachusetts, we have what's called community rate. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that each company, United Healthcare, Harvard Pilgrim, they have one flat rate for each plan for everybody in the entire state. And that's actually a benefit compared to other states. I'm licensed down in Florida as well and down there. 
uh, every year as somebody gets older, the rates go up uh, 10, 15, 20%. But because Mass is a community rate, it's... Mm. Uh, and so... Uh, if you are new to Medicare, uh, for instance, I'll, I'll say the rate with Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, who I do a lot of work with, that the, the highest plan is called the 1A right now in Massachusetts. And the premium, uh, with the, if you're new to Medicare, it's $165.75 per month. Uh, now, if you're not new to um, so a lot of these companies, when you're new, they give you a three-year discount. So that's the discounted rate. But uh, the non-discounted rate is about, 100, I would say, 195 a month. So that's your second cost is your Medigap plan. You pay that directly to the private insurance company. It does not come out of your Social Security check. And then with that, you get a Part D drug plan. Now, when I do my, on that sheet that I, the preparing for a Medicare consultation form, I mentioned uh, somebody cannot just randomly pick a Part D drug plan. You Again, I mentioned you have to do your homework or have somebody do your homework for you. Mm -hmm. The rates are, the national, the average premium in Massachusetts is about $30 a month. But there are a lot of plans the, the, I'd say the two most popular plans that my, um, uh, if somebody's taking simple medications, there's a plan that's as low as $7 and 60 cents a month. That's called the silver script smart plan. It's owned by Aetna, uh, and well care has several plans in the $14 range. So you add up the one seventy ten part B premium. Let's call it your new to Medicare, $165 for Medigap plan. And if somebody gets a you know, $20 drug plan, you know, you're looking at probably three twenty five to three fifty per month. You know what you're paying. It's portable. Uh, on the 1A plan, you, the only thing you have to pay if your pocket is the Part B deductible, which is 233. Yep. So right. that's a in Part D. Right. So even if someone had, um, if someone wanted to like do a total cost, you'd take that premium plus the 233. Um, and depending on their drugs, like even that silver script, they, there's a small drug deductible. If you've got brand name drugs, right? At, at CVS, um, that compared, and then you do the math and say, okay, what would it be if I had the zero premium plan with you know all the out of pockets? Yeah, that's yeah. the Medicare Advantage. Yeah. Right. So, so again, uh, on the so I'll wrap up on Medicare and Part D. Yeah. On the on the Part D drug plans, a lot, a lot of has changed recently. A lot of them. Um, one of the reasons I asked for your pharmacy choices is the, the preferred pharmacies really make a big difference on Part D drug plans. For instance, this Silver Script Smart Plan. If you go to, there's a $480 deductible, but it's only applicable towards brand name drugs if you go to CVS, which is the preferred pharmacy. If you go to CVS and you take generics, you might get a no cost or a dollar. Um, so every drug plan is a little bit different, and that's why I do a review to make sure you're still in the correct plan. So that's the Medigap and the Part D. The Part C Medicare Advantage plan, again, you still pay your Part B premium. The 17010 if that's what your income level is. And, you know, some have premiums up to $200 a month, but Massachusetts, there's so many $0 premiums now. So you don't pay a premium to the private insurance company, but again, you pay as you go. You have to realize everything pretty much, maybe your your primary care, if he's in the network, might be a $0 copay. But for the most part, um, there's costs for everything. And I, I go through the smorgasbord of costs, as I call it, when I work with somebody individually. And, and you mentioned, um, so the, the reason that the drugs in the pharmacy is important is people can't change their plan until the annual enrollment period. So Correct. you're doing it a little bit um, prospectively where if I'm sitting down with you now, and let's say I'm going to join in June, right, mm -hmm. and I take, you know, three medicines now. Obviously, you know, no one can predict the future, but if you get another medicine, you know, in the fall, you and, it, and it's a better price at a different pharmacy that's not in the network, you can't change your Medicare plan until the annual. So even if you, I guess that's another good point. So if you join any time during 2022, you still have another chance to join. Like it's not 12 months from my June, right? So let's say I enrolled in June mm -hmm. and I'm first eligible. I can, I have another open enrollment in the fall for one one. Correct. Right. So that's that. That's why I stress the uh, yeah. importance of the open enrollment period. So again, I, I signed up somebody yesterday for April first. I said, let's connect in the fall. Your you medications change. The plans can change. The formula has changed. The pharmacy relationships change. And so uh, you can. It typically it's one time of year when you can change. Mm -hmm. And and my clients really. Uh, that's why I think a Medicare coach, as I call it, is so valuable for people. Um, my clients really do. Uh, it's like clockwork. Being uh, oh. of October, they they reach out. Certainly do. They oh, yeah. certainly do. And uh, we talked about this with um, Dr. Prasad. But um, how about in Medicare? Are there um, like 
do you know, top of your head, Ted, are there like different uh, telehealth options in Medicare now? Is that covered under the benefit or is it only in certain plans or is that a covered benefit now? I just it, don't know. Yeah, it's that's expanding, obviously, mm-hmm. with, with COVID. Uh, but yes, uh, they are being covered as doctor visits now as well. Now, again, uh, you have a Medigap plan. Mm-hmm. It fills the hole. So typically people don't really have to pay for those visits, but they are on the Medicare Advantage plans and they are, they are listed... You know, if it's your primary care, it's but if it's specialist, you pay a specialist copay. Yeah. You know, a lot of times these these Medicare Advantage plans, uh, you know, if your primary care is in the network, you might not pay a fee. But if they're out of the network, you might pay a twenty five dollar copayment. Specialist forty five in the network, seventy five out of the network. So that was telehealth to give you a long answer. No, no, that's Um, that's good because I think people need to understand that, especially as we endure these ads, as you said, on TV, which again are well-meaning, but they focus on the premium and the benefit, not the out-of-pocket expense. (laughs) So I think sitting down with someone and saying, okay, well, how many times do you, like, so we have some people that may go to the doctor 12 times a year, right? Mm -hmm. A specialist every month for a checkup, or they're at least going once, right? For their preventive services. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, I think that, and the drug piece is key because obviously, as you mentioned, we've got fewer and fewer, well, we've got more and more plan options, but probably fewer and fewer like pharmacy benefit managers and pharmacies, mm-hmm. but it's, you're right, the plans have expanded. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you is, what uh, what if someone, you mentioned, um, someone going back to original Medicare, what happens if you're dealing with someone who they're the non-working spouse of someone who is under 65? In other words, let's say I'm on Medicare, my spouse is 62. Mm-hmm. That person still has to wait. There's no family is what I'm yeah, trying to Yeah, there's no to. family plans yeah. in Medicare. And I, I run into that uh, quite a bit. Um, so again, as Pat was just saying, somebody retires at age 66 and my spouse is 63. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of referral partners I work with uh, and help them get what's called. I don't do that myself, the individual marketplace, but I call them what I call pre-65 plans. Uh, you can get an individual plan in the marketplace. Um, you know, and they're not cheap. Right. Very For a 63-year-old to get a good health plan on the Massachusetts marketplace is... Twelve, fifteen hundred dollars a month. Right, and that's for an individual, individual just one person. Yeah, right. and then so you need a bridge plan, and again, I have referral partners for that. And then when you become Medicare eligible, then I move them to to Medicare. Right. But what people are surprised about is the comp- Medicare can be actually less expensive, expensive. Oh, yeah. and it can provide more coverage than that's, the individual plans. That's what I tell people. Uh, all right, we've been talking with uh, Ted O'Connor. Ted, how can uh, people get in touch with you? Do you have an email, phone? Yes, so my email, uh, again, Ted O'Connor. My company is called Ted Care, and um, uh, my office is in Situate Harbor, but you can uh, reach me at ted at tedacaremedicare.com. And I'll give you my phone number, too, um, which is my office, home and cell, 781-879-8434. Great. Thank you for being a guest, Ted, and hopefully everyone enjoys the day. Thank you to Sanjay Prasad, my first guest, and thank you, Ted. Uh, have a good day, and thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you.